0: Welcome to the Arkansas Inc. podcast, where we discuss the latest topics and trends in economic
1: development with subject matter experts and influencers from across the nation and around the world.
0: I'm your host, Danny Games, Executive Vice President of Global Business for the Arkansas Economic Development Commission. Today, we'll be devoting some time to the most pressing topic in business retention, expansion, and relocation, workforce. Joining me today to talk workforce priorities, skills gaps, and training and development is Bill Goebel, president of IMPACT Solutions. That's capital M-P-A-C-T. IMPACT is a workforce solutions company based in Greensboro, North Carolina, that provides talent assessments, education, and training. And we have Ken Stuckey, director of talent acquisition for Pace Industries, an integrated company providing die-casting, Manufacturing and Engineering Solutions Worldwide. Pace Industries is headquartered in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us.
1: Good to be here. Thank you for inviting us.
0: Yes. According to a recent 2017 manufacturing report conducted by Sikich, 69% of manufacturers plan to add headcount in the next year, while at the same time, addressing workforce skills gaps remains a top priority for them. Ken and Bill, we want to ask you both for your specific recommendations to address this challenge, but let's start with a 30,000-foot view to get a lay of the land, and then we'll move into recommendations and solutions. So from your perspectives, Ken and Bill, what are the top workforce priorities for businesses and educators today?
2: Now, from my perspective, as a director in a department that's you know in the trenches every day looking for talent, it's definitely sourcing and recruiting skilled workers that are really ready to step into our advanced manufacturing environment because it's going to require specific knowledge and some experience working with our equipment uh, like robots, automation, CNC and CMM equipment, and tool and die, just to mention a few. So we're upskilling our own people while keeping new talent coming in from our plants. Uh, Coming into our plants is a huge challenge. So our goal is to make progress every day in workforce development, and we track that with uh, certain metrics that keep us on course.
0: Sounds like a twofold challenge, both upskilling your existing workforce and then also attracting new workforce to to backfill your, your pipeline.
2: Correct, yeah.
0: Bill, what are your views on that?
1: I agree with Ken. I think uh, we work with community colleges and uh, and companies directly, and what we're seeing is that the 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 skills that are being taught in some of the locations don't match exactly what the companies want and And I think that's a function of how fast companies are moving with technology. They are advancing at a breakneck speed to keep a competitive edge, to keep their costs down and community colleges are attempting to catch up with them but by the time they get caught up the companies have moved on again so it's it's a catch 22 but uh I'll, I'll be honest with you the more forward thinking community colleges and companies are figuring out how to do that
0: so bill i'd like to kind of pick up on a point you made it almost sounds like our solutions uh sometimes only perpetuate the challenge when it when it comes to adding automation and and in advancing technology and wanting to, to continue to, to stay ahead in the competitive marketplace. As these uh, innovations are actually part of the workforce solution in terms of more productivity and more efficiencies, they are in turn actually putting added pressure on, on companies to find even more qualified workers. How do you address this? How do you stay ahead of that?
2: Well, it, it pays. Uh, it really is put pressure on us Danny I think the technology as Bill said is advancing so rapidly in manufacturing that uh, our educational partners and I'm referring to our local and regional two-year colleges uh, you know with some form of manufacturing technology degree or some other technical degree that's needed locally those colleges and high schools around our plants don't typically have the, the resources to have or acquire the type of equipment uh... that we need for them to train on and so that's another thing that the, the partnerships that we're going to uh... probably discuss today will uh... definitely be a huge help in that so when you can pull in uh... you know your state agencies high schools colleges and your local and regional chambers of commerce you know we can all help each other to try to uh, assist in uh, keeping up with the the change in technology
0: Bill, what are you seeing across the nation? How widespread is this and how much of a deficit are we working in?
1: It's epidemic from the standpoint, it's all over the country. And I'll give you an example. You know, we all have cell phones, smartphones. And when we get an upgrade or a new smartphone, we all stumble with how do I make this thing work for me? And that technology driven society that we're in. Is reflective in the manufacturing end, and what I what we find is that the best relationships are the ones that Ken just described, where you bring in various partners from either a workforce development, community college, uh, local industry, uh, local government, state government, and start working as a team and say, okay, what is our what is our need to get this skill gap closed, and then what are what are the things that that each of those partners can bring. company may not be able to afford training equipment, but they might be able to fund some of it, or grants might be given from various companies. In some companies, I see energy companies doing it, uh, like Duke Energy. Uh, there's other things. There's a the tobacco fund that, uh, for regenerating a workforce that I've seen come in. So there's a various fundings that you can find, and I think it's that collaborative effort that keeps it going.
0: Well, talk to us about the predictive nature of of being responsive. Obviously, industry wants to stay on the front end, so it's hard for educators to anticipate and, and predict everything that industry is going to need. So how does that element um, bring together both the customer and the service provider and how big is the gap and the, the lapse in, in meeting those demands?
2: Well, you know, the, the gap right now is closing, but it's still uh, very wide. You know, I, I think there's, uh, you know, two two things that enter into this, Danny. One is you've got your incumbent worker uh, who needs upskilled in our plants. And a lot of those younger uh, millennials that are out there in our plants they really need our our baby boomers to become the the, the mentors for them and they close out their careers and so they can help the millennials come on and and really take over the leadership in our plants. So we're training like there's no tomorrow. I mean, we honestly believe that that's gonna be our key. And the second part, in my opinion, is what are we gonna do to develop the outside workforce? So those are the kids, and Bill and I were just discussing this, the kids in junior highs right now and high schools um, that because the technology is changing you know what we're training for today may not even be there in five years so we're really having to try to stay ahead of the curve here which is it puts a lot of pressure on us as manufacturers but um, we're working with the colleges uh, companies like goodwill uh... you know our, i think our answer at pace has been to develop this educational uh, community and state government partnership uh, to really gain trust with all of those uh, parties and then have buy-in to what we need as far as a company goes. And we've seen that happen because everyone seems to be interested in this situation right now because it affects basically all Americans. So the power of partnerships can't be overstated. uh, And this is not a slam to our partners, but in my personal experience, uh, education and government are going to move slower than business, so communication and expectations have to be very clear from all the parties. And I really want to emphasize that manufacturers have to drive this initiative. Uh, we have to right. lead in this effort uh, if we're going to see success.
0: Right.
1: Excellent. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, I, I know that the educators want to provide the service that the manufacturers need, and I agree with Ken that indeed uh, that manufacturing has to drive it. Uh, we always go into a company asking, what are the skill sets that people need to work in your company? And and, and they know. They know the fundamentals that they have to have and uh, troubleshooting and all that. And uh, But then you get into the specific areas with the, where the technology comes in, uh, and that's a little bit higher uh, level of education. And sometimes it's best served being taught in the company as opposed to at a local school, uh, because there, there's such a diversification of technology. You've you got all kinds of different PLCs, you got all different types of robots. They're doing different things. So if you tried to do that in, an, in a one-stop shop to cover everything, it'd be impossible. Right. Uh, so I think there's some fundamentals you start out with, and then you move the people into the other area.
0: Now, good point. If I had to couch what you're both saying in terms of a change or a, or a trend – We might observe that five or ten years ago, we were very accepting of that educational model uh, kind of driving and leading the change. Now we've seen to been turning a corner the past couple of years where, as you say, manufacturers and industry and business really are beginning to lead the change. So if you had to go from here and project out over the next five or ten years, what do you think are going to be some of the – Evolving changes in trends that this demand on the workforce and on companies and educators is placing.
2: Well, I, you know, just from our perspective, uh, we're having to to uh, really look at our our dollar spent in recruiting and sourcing at pace, and really find that uh, the biggest numbers that we need are going to be coming through two year technical schools. So when we look at what we and where we need to be and recruiting, we're probably going to recruit 40 uh, in in any one plant, you know, 40 to 1 over a four-year degree person. I mean, we need engineers, but we do not need them nearly as uh, rapidly as we need. Uh, cmm programmers technical maintenance people and that and that kind of a worker so you know we're we're seeing a huge need for non-credit training from our educational partners and and simply put non-credit training is just short-term training to skill up someone to operate equipment and and that's really what we need um It doesn't require a two-year degree, but just the skills needed to accomplish a task. So I think because of the speed right now of manufacturing, uh, it's a game-changer when educational or training partners can bring in training uh, that can help us get our people or our outside workers that are going to come to PACE uh, skilled in those areas that we really need them in.
0: Wow. Good point. Significant ramification uh, to students who uh, have to contemplate you know, a four-year degree and, and student debt uh, over the option of something, uh, you know, career path, an educational and career path like this that gets such a great immediate return on, on their time and investment. True, Bill. You were going to add,
1: uh, Danny. I, I think was a great question you asked. Um, you know, I think uh, the fundamentals are something that the education system could provide. You know, like blueprint reading, schematic reading, troubleshooting. Uh, math in a plant, uh, you know, basic fundamentals uh, are going to continue for the next 5 to 10 years. That's not going to change. Uh, but then you get into the specific areas, and that's where it gets kind of fuzzy. Uh, so if I were to say in 5, 10 years, what would we be looking for? I'd say keep the education system dealing with the fundamentals because those don't change as often as the technology does. And as the technology changes, develop a working relationship with the companies to do something specific at that company.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much for that. We're just going to take a quick pause and we'll be right back to continue our discussion. Welcome back to the Arkansas Inc. podcast with your host, Danny Games. Okay. Welcome back. We we're speaking about this, you know. Um, Ken uses this forty to one ratio. That's pretty significant, and and we're we're hearing that across a lot of manufacturers in our state. So that's pretty consistent. But to hear it quantified like that is pretty impactful. So when you when you think about. Uh, the The messages that we're sending and the demands on those with a four year degree and those what we might call the the middle skilled workers, or maybe we'll call them the ever evolving skilled workers. How do you characterize uh, this challenge and, and how do we how do we reconcile that continuing demand for both?
2: Well, I think the, the more aggressive companies out there are are seeking these partners at all levels uh, that are located within a commutable distance to their plants uh, to help them uh, with the productivity in their own plants. So, so roughly three years ago, Danny, I hired our own workforce coordinator here at Pace uh, whose responsibility is to go into the communities around our companies and uh... and really build relationships with students faculty and to provide key resources uh, whether it's a junior high or high school or a college and and basically you know the goal in that was to attract the best people through the use of career paths uh, that involve non-credit short-term training or completing an associates degree which uh, we'll assist in paying for uh... North Art college though and harrison's a great example of this where uh, and actually, they're in the process of right now of hiring their own regional uh, coordinator, workforce coordinator. But I think to to answer the question, it it really as as our companies grow and as we continue to, to expand, um, you know, it's it's uh, you have to go to the source of where the people are, and the people right now are in two-year uh, technical colleges. And so uh, that's where our emphasis is, and of course the high schools as well. But, uh, you know, to, to to talk about balancing it out, I, I guess what we do, we keep our hand in the four-year colleges and those engineering departments and such, but our, our emphasis really is recruiting out of the, the two-year colleges.
0: Well, you talk about, about Arc. Can you elaborate a little bit on on anything that you're doing that's unique or creative with them?
2: Well, North calls on us to assist them, you know, in what in what our needs are, and of course we're we're always we started this relationship several years ago where we just started having pizza with them once a month, just sitting down in a casual environment and discussing you know what Paces hmm. needs were as far as strategy, and when you begin to do that and really pay attention to uh, to those relationships and let them know what you really need. And I know Bill was talking about the the basic skills and all that, which they're they're really really strong at. But we needed some technical training equipment uh, to our people to be trained on that, and so we helped them in a workforce grant. Uh, that they received from uh, the state almost a million dollars, wow, and it assisted them in a lot of areas of workforce uh, uh, not uh, in, in, and one of the big things there was some some capital for equipment uh, that they could use, so we donated equipment to North Ark, they bought some equipment, and now they 've really got a state of the art uh, manufacturing technology you know lab, so to speak. Where they can bring young people back there and and uh, get them up to speed pretty quick. The robotics area is growing tremendously, so it's a two way street. Companies have to have skin in the game, and educators have to be willing to listen to what the manufacturers need. And and when that happens, it, it 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 really works out in a great way.
0: No, that that sounds excellent. So, Bill, what are some of the more effective workforce development solutions you and your colleagues at Impact see companies adopting today?
1: Danny, what we've seen is that the workforce development folks have reached out to companies such as Lincoln Electric uh, and worked in partnership with them to develop, uh, in case of Lincoln Electric, welding, uh, a three-dimensional video, almost like a video game, uh, that can teach kids how to do beads properly and, and other techniques in welding. And by that partnership, Lincoln Electric developed this video um, that is almost like a game and donated it to the community college and has now started doing that nationwide. So I think there's opportunities to find companies like uh, uh, Ken mentioned, robotics, uh, get a robotic company to donate a FANUC robot, let's say, and and teach the kids how to run it and the fun of running it. And uh, there's a lot of robotics classes that are being done and competition in the high schools that workforce could tap into and bring those kids, because obviously they're into those kind of games and, and fun. And um, I think when you start, the, the kids today aren't the same generation that Ken and I and you oh, grew right. up. They're right. looking for a whole different way of approaching work. Yeah. And uh, if yeah. you can make it fun and challenging, you've got them hooked.
0: No, I agree. My uh, college freshman daughter uh, built a helicopter with a team in uh, her senior year of high school last year, I don't know that I'd recommend our flying it, but uh, <laughs> but but the things that they are working on are, are five and ten years advanced of, of where we were when we were high school seniors. So let me go back to, to one of the points you all were making a few minutes ago. So when it comes to, to workforce education, and more of a broader question, and we, we look at an employee's education and skills training, we know it needs to be as immediately applicable as possible, but not so specific that the training is only applicable for a couple of jobs. So what are the longer-term foundational core skills that are most useful for a broad range of middle-skilled jobs for a longer period of time?
2: Well, in my opinion, in manufacturing, there's basically a need to have a great understanding of, of safety, quality, process, and maintenance, and which is going to require people to be able to read and comprehend, do basic math, uh, solve problems, and then have those soft skills that are necessary for them to be successful. So I'm I'm biased on that question, Danny, because I do serve on a board in alexandria virginia called the manufacturing Skills standards council yes and it's more commonly known as as mssc but the purpose of that certification board is to award a cpt or a certified production technician certificate or a CLT, which stands for a certified logistics technician certificate for the completion of a a rigorous classroom program Uh, and so they complete test uh, that have to be passed, and then uh, it gives the participant though a great overview of what a manufacturing career looks like or a career in logistics and uh in my in my opinion uh it's it 's these kind of certifications that uh that can really uh catapult uh, a person into a a better position and a higher position in manufacturing because they see the whole thing from a thirty thousand foot right. view and then they can say you know what i think i think technical uh, maintenance is maybe where i want to be or maybe i want to be in quality so but the basic core skills you got to be able to read and you have to be able to uh, or know where to go get the information at least and you have to be able to do math and so those are the things that we i know in arkansas we're we're uh, continuing to ask uh, the legislators to help us really have an emphasis on third-grade reading skills, because after the third grade, you know, you basically are reading for, uh, to be able to to pass tests and do things like that. But the fundamentals of math and reading are never going to go away. And, of course, soft skills uh, are required just to be able to to function uh, effectively in a manufacturing environment.
0: Excellent. Yeah, the, the foundations that you're looking for actually begin when they're eight nine ten years old exactly yeah yes sir they do exactly bill what are your what are your thoughts on that
1: well Danny and Ken I agree with you a hundred percent I think the only thing I would add to it is uh, we see a lot of requests for troubleshooting skills problem solving mm. uh, you know you once you learn the fundamentals okay now how do you how do you work through a problem and and find a solution uh, and I might just add one thing that uh, we also have come across and that is believe it or not uh, scouting. Uh, they have 132 merit badges. They have hydraulics, pneumatics, welding, uh, robotics, programming, and there are these clubs that they set up, and it's a good place to tap in to find talent, to hmm. find kids that want to go in, they, because they've been exposed to it in a very uh, fun way, and then they right. say, well, that's the career I think I want to go into. So it's an opportunity, and if they're all over the United States. Uh, they're willing to help, so to
0: tap into. No, oh, that's a that's a great, great thought, Bill. Uh, how to be innovative, creative, uh, your your recruiting has to begin earlier than uh, than we would have ever considered a decade ago. Good point. Well, gentlemen, this is uh, this has been very interesting and engaging, but i I do want to ask that that final question that I alluded to at the outset. In, in asking you to kind of sum up your concluding recommendations any, for anyone who might be listening involved in business, industry, or education, or even those policy makers that you alluded to earlier, and how that they would address the, the current and future workforce needs. What, how would each of you sum up some concluding recommendations for us?
2: I think, I think business has to commit to developing their community partnerships. Uh, primarily, that, that's got to take place, and, and do it around your facilities, and uh, to where you know it, it will benefit the community. And you'll see community buy into this because they want their companies and their manufacturers to thrive. So uh, I really believe that that's at the head of, of all things is to begin to develop those relationships if, if they haven't started already. Uh, I guess the second thing is is for uh as manufacturers to us to have champions that go out into the community that will speak on behalf of the careers uh that we have available and then uh visit with the parents. Daddy a big a big deal is, is getting the parents to buy into right. the kids having a manufacturing career uh... because they remember what manufacturing was maybe back in their day and it's not what it is today so i think that's a big thing and speaking of civic groups going to career fairs and and those kind of things um, you know I, I think the big deal there too is to always talk about the career path you know it's no longer companies at least like pace are no longer just looking for someone to come in and, and punch the clock and and right. do you know just basic skilled work we need people that have got the the upside uh, to be able to learn not only what we bring them in at, but then go five levels above that. Yes. And so I think that is 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 a good thing. Uh, I think that universities colleges have to communicate their willingness to work with companies and become a a good strong partner, and then provide those companies with whatever is needed. You know, I think again, as I said, industry has to drive this, so colleges need to listen. And really uh, act on what we ask them. And so far, we have seen that at every one of the pace locations around the country. And then uh, I'd say think outside the box. You know, business is not uh, just as usual. In other words, we can't just go to that mentality of this is the way we've always done it. Right. And so I, I think that if if companies and and people will take this on as a as a challenge, and it, and I think I want to go back to what Bill said. It is epidemic and it is a crisis. But it can be solved if everybody jumps in and begins to uh t- to work through this. And so I-, I truly believe that we can all accomplish more by working with it as as a group rather than working as a- in a solo type situation. And finally, I would just I-, I would just say let's put politics aside on this and do what's best for our communities because if there ever was a bipartisan issue, it's workforce. So uh I, I just want to thank you for giving me a shot at uh, visiting with you all today about this.
0: Excellent. Excellent point. You you, you summed it up uh, very, very well. Bill, what what would you add to that for in terms of some concluding recommendations?
1: Well, Danny, Ken did a great job of summing up. I, mm-hmm. I would just add a couple things. One is there's no magic bullet. Uh, it's going to take a lot of work. We've done uh, companies and educators have accomplished greater things than this, and so this is a very much something that could be accomplished. Uh, It's certainly going to take a partnership with the parents, the manufacturers, the educators, private companies like Impact, uh, and civic organizations as well. And the last thing I'd say is, we tell people when they're struggling with this, is keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is to get people educated to become viable citizens so they can support the company and their families
0: foundational, fundamental, uh, the center of the target every time. Well said, Bill. Ken Stuckey and Bill Goble. thank you for joining me today. Your time and insights have been greatly appreciated and I think will prove to be of great value to our listeners. I'm Danny Games, Executive Vice President of the Arkansas Economic Development Commission, and you've been listening to the Arkansas Inc. podcast. Visit ArkansasEDC.com for more information,